0: YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. What's going on, um, y'all? That's how we talk down here. Everybody's doing well, I hope. Um, I am just back from a big week. I was at uh Chattanooga, Tennessee over the weekend. And man, the people in Chattanooga came out. We had four really good shows, man, and, and given the fact that COVID is going on right now, um we had two sold out shows. I mean, we might as well say three sold out shows and one almost sold out show. I mean, it was it was more than I could have hoped for with COVID and everything. And and here's the cool part people were coming out that listen to this podcast. And that's the neat part. Like I wish I would have done this a long time ago. It's, it's really humbling to see just how many people support this podcast and listen to this podcast. It's pretty neat, man. And, um, being able to put some faces with names from Instagram, uh, had a, had a firefighter, uh, come out that is pretty active, on my Instagram page. We've never met in person before until that show in Chattanooga this weekend. And I went and spent some time with him the day after the show. He was on duty the following day. So I drove to his firehouse and sat down and ended up hanging out for about three hours, just he and I. And, uh, you know, he's been through some things as well. And we just kind of had a conversation and it was pretty, it was pretty neat, man. And, um, I'm a blessed dude for sure to be able to get to do the things that I do now. Um, you know, I learn a lot from you folks as well. Um, I don't know if I, I'm not necessarily teaching anybody anything. It's just, I'm just a dude who's opening up about some experiences that I've had and, but being able to sit down with, with folks, you know, periodically, obviously I can't sit down with everybody, but it is nice to be able to have those conversations with people in person, face to face versus just behind a, an emoji on a damn, on a screen. I don't know what this episode is going to be about. I don't really have any notes. I've been for two weeks, man. I have not had any kind of direction on where I would like to take the next episode. Um, I recorded up, um, multiple episodes and I had a a month's worth of content and it's been literally almost close to a month. Well, no, the last one I recorded was, was new, but before that, you know, I had all of my content down and it's getting so hard. It's getting so hard to, to push content that stays along this, the, uh, the trajectory of where this podcast was going. I tried, I literally tried for a day to figure out how to get a guest on, right? I sat down, I actually did some zoom calls and found out. So I record my podcast through audacity and you know, I'm not tech savvy but I, I tried to figure out, I talked with another buddy of mine who runs uh, the power line podcast. Go check that out. Um, and we zoom called for a little while and we got it figured out to where I can extract the zoom audio, but it came through as an MP4 for those of you that understand this shit. And I was trying to upload it as an MP4 into audacity, but you cannot upload MP4s. You can only upload MP3s for audio and dude, I almost threw my fucking computer in the pool. So I'm, I got some people just be patient. I will get some guests on here at some point, but I'm juggling that. And I'm juggling my, uh, my speaking engagements. I'm juggling literally a thousand things trying to get this stuff going. Because like I said, I, this podcast was just initially supposed to be for fun. And now it's turning into a monster. Um, but I like it. I'm going to figure it out. So just bear with me on this episode. I don't know where we're going. It's weird. These things will hit you sometimes. I get a lot of suggestions from people, but it's, uh, some of the suggestions I've received recently are on topics we've already really kind of discussed. So I don't want to uh, go back down that road just yet. I'm starting to think about different, um, not a different trajectory, but I would like to make this a little more fun and interactive. So, uh, versus always being down and shit like that. I mean, cause that stuff gets old too. Um, I just got back. So I got back from Chattanooga Monday and literally had to pack my bags and go to, fortunately this was close for me. Lancaster, South Carolina to speak to the Lancaster Fire Department and surrounding agencies. And they had us in a beautiful auditorium on the on the college there and spoke to a lot of emergency services personnel. Um there were no police there. It was all firefighters. Uh we had some dispatchers and we had uh, EMTs, paramedics. And man, I'm going to tell you, that's my passion. My passion is speaking to my folks. It's comedy's fun, but dude, when you can get up there and you can just be real and authentic and tell your story and you can pull and extract that, uh, that stuff out of other people, man, it is a special, special thing. And I just love it so much. So thank you to Lancaster, South Carolina fire department for having me in to talk about leadership, mental wellness, and resiliency. I've, um, if you've, if you've been following my Instagram, I have a course that's now available that I'm teaching. Uh, so normally I, I would, I used to do keynote presentations. It's an hour to an hour and a half. And I do keynote presentation slash motivational speaking. I don't like to label it that, but it's, it kind of, it's kind of what it is. But I th- I started thinking about that and I was like, man, I really want to be able to offer this service to the military emergency services in a classroom format, because not everybody is is set up to, Hey man, let's just go get a, 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 a motivational speaker. or Let's just have a presentation. People need classes on this stuff. So I sat down, uh, I have a team that helps me. Um, I keep them anonymous because I don't want weirdos. I don't want the Memphis barbecue person starting to find out who they are and, start sending over that old secret sauce, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so I, I, I kind of get all the weirdness through me and, uh, they, they get to, uh, enjoy the business side of this thing with, with what, what, what I do without the weirdos. Um, so thank you to my team. It's y'all, you guys are really special. Um, what was I saying? I got off track. Oh, I was talking about my class that I'm so excited about. Uh, Can you speak? So excited about. So it's called post-traumatic purpose. And if you've, if you've watched my Instagram, I've, I've given, you know, a couple of teasers on there and that's exactly what it's about. It's about leadership. It's about mental wellness and it's about resiliency. And I, what essentially what I did was I turned my motivational speaking or keynote presentation into a classroom format. So it's now has a three hour, uh, format to it. And it's extremely interactive. Um, it's, it's it's supposed to, it's designed to uh, get people thinking. And, uh, it's a, some of it is my story, my experiences, but it's not a lot of, um, it, it, it's not a lot of, um, data that is that i'm trying to beat data into people's heads because if you've ever been to a class you go well this is the statistic for this 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 and this and people when people go to these classes they're not writing down the statistics they're not leaving there knowing these statistics they need to leave with something something else and i feel like the class that i've designed is designed to hit you in your chest to make you leave there thinking like man am i okay Do I need to, to see somebody? And if I do, Hey, guess what? It's okay. I can do, I can do that because I just went to this class and learned that it's all right. Nothing's going to happen to me. If I go speak to someone, it's okay to be the tough guy or the tough girl and to still get help and to do that mental, mental health maintenance, I like to talk about leadership in this thing and talk about failed leadership. And what is it? There's two types of people in charge. And, you know, it was put to me eloquently by a friend of mine. There's bosses and then there's leaders. They're in the same position. A boss is just a boss, but a leader's a fucking leader. And you know a real leader when you see one. And that's what I'm trying to to instill in these, in, in, in these folks in my, my former industries and, you know, the civilian world too. Um got to have good leaders in place without telling the whole class right here. <laughs> so I'm kind of like bouncing around a little bit. Um, got a brand new puppy. I don't know that we needed one. Um, but my old girl Turkey Sue, she's, she's getting old, man. She's 12. She's starting to have some mobility issues. And so we got this new dog named fancy. And, uh, she's a little rescue because that's all, that's the only dogs I'll ever own are rescues. Now I grew up, I've always, I've had a bunch of purebreds. I had Labradors. Um, uh, they're great dogs, but dude, you can't, you can't beat a rescue. I mean, I mean, technically, I guess you could beat them, but I wouldn't never lay a hand on them. That's a sick joke. I love my rescue dogs. So we got this little girl named Fancy. <clears throat> she's going to be my farm dog. And let's get into, uh, let's get into some, Let's get into some shit, man. Um, like I say, I don't know. I don't know where what direction this thing's going to have. So I'm going to talk about toxicity, and I know we've talked about this in the past. I had it. I had a question that was asked to me though. Like Travis, how do you, how do you eliminate toxic people in your life? And this gentleman that that messaged me on Instagram, he said, you know, I have people around me that are toxic, but they're good friends of mine, and and, and it's hard to just, you know cut it off cold turkey because if I do, um, I will I'll lose them. And, and my thought process is we'll fuck them. You know, if they're toxic, they're toxic. If it has no benefit to you, if it doesn't directly benefit you or your family, if, if it brings any kind of negativity into your world, what's the point? That's not, that's not friendship anyway. I've said this in the past. I've been that toxic friend. I have I, lost friendships because I was that guy. And people, you got to realize that you have a decision to make for your own happiness. And that goes back to the um, the episode I did about investing in your mental wealth. You got to know the difference with friends between assets and liabilities. And if they're a liability, yeah, you cut them off. Cold turkey. I'm not saying you got to be a dick about it but you don't need to be interactive with them anymore. I mean, you surround yourself by by people that are going to prop you up. Um, I do I actually do have a couple notes. I lied. I got one about the power of perspective. So check this out. My buddy, my buddy calls me one day. He goes, man, you ain't gonna believe this shit. He, uh, he owns a real estate company and he <laughs> goes, I just had a brand new agent and she just had her first closing today on her, uh, her first property. She closed on it. thing. I was super excited. And then in the same breath, he told me her husband has had this corporate job for 20, 20 something years. Right. And on the same day she had her closing her first one, he gets fucking fired from his corporate job. No, no reasoning, no nothing. They said company's heading in a dif- different direction. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. There's the door. And we got to talking and my buddy was telling me that he he spoke with the guy and he's offering him a life-changing position by being a real estate agent. And I'm not saying, look, I've had a lot of experience with real estate and real estate agents. Not all of them are good, but my friend, he produces great agents and these people go on to become very successful in their industry. And that's a redirecting moment in life, right? So we always talk about When something happens, that's very shitty. It's so polarizing. We can't see past that. We can't see past the negative of whatever just happened to us. It always, always, always sucks. It happens to me. It's happened to me a hundred million times. It happens all the time. You're stuck in something and you don't see the real blessing. That's, that's coming your way, not to be religious because I am far the fuck from that, but You one's got to think, man, like these, these doors shut in our faces and they, sometimes they shut very abruptly and you can do two things. You can go play negative Nancy and feel sorry for yourself and sulk, or you can take advantage of the situation and turn it into something fucking wonderful and change your entire life. How about that? Power of perspective, redirecting moments in life. If you have not read my book, I mean, I talk about that extensively in there. And the audiobook is available by also. So for those of you that don't like to read, I've read four books or five books in my entire life, and one of them was mine. <laughs> I fucking hate reading. So if you hate reading like me, go check out the audio version. What's your... Um, you guys have a plan after you retire? No matter what industry you're in, if you're in the uh, public service industry, great. Military, great. Shit, if you work at McDonald's, great. I don't knock anybody for where they work. But what do you what do you, what do you plan to do once you retire? That's the that's a really important question because I always talk about having a plan B. Um, I know when I go places. I don't have, like when I walk into a building or something, I don't have a lot of people, they'll just walk in and they don't think about their surroundings. They don't think about, all right, if shit goes bad in here, how do I get my family out? What's the, where's the safest place for me to take cover? Where are the exits? Dude, I am sizing up buildings. I mean, I even size up people's houses when I'm walking up the steps. And it's crazy because you're always got this heightened sense of um, awareness about you, and it's exhausting. But I look at retirement in the same way, man. Don't have one or two. Y'all hear that badass dog barking? <laughs> I gotta let her in. Um, what was I saying? So don't have one or two options for your retirement. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify, baby. Start thinking about things right now. Even if you're 10 years, 15 years out, what interests you? And start thinking about what you want to do when the when whatever career you're in comes to an end. Because I promise you, it's coming to an end. And you don't want to be just sitting around the house being bored. I mean, that, that just sucks. Trust me, I've done that. I would have never thought in a million years that it, when I was a fireman, when I was like on the job doing it, I, I actually just got promoted before I was forced to leave the job. And I never in a million years would have thought my life would have went in the direction it did. I never thought that I would have went toward the world doing comedy. I would do, um, educational classes for my brother and sister, first responders do motivational speaking for first responders. I would, I never would have never thought that I I was going to write a book that was going to get the traction that it did. I never thought any of these things and, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, so if when my shit came to an end, I had to do something and I hate to think like we have so many choices and options out here to, 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 to be happy. And if you can just start your mind right now and start just thinking outside of the box, so, you know, what if, what, what if 20 years, if, if you still have 20 years to go on your job, Granted, you're going to change as you get older, and things are going to interest you. But just what if you start thinking, well, when this comes to an end, where do I see myself? And that's a, a big part of that. Is we don't we don't think about that. We don't we plan financially for it, right? We plan financially to be able to pay our bills, or hopefully be out of debt, or have enough money to have the freedom to go do things. Well, I want to travel. Every fucking buddy wants to travel, but the reality is that shit's expensive. I travel for a fucking living and other people pay for it and it's expensive. You know what I mean? It's still, it's still, it's hard to do unless you are just so fucking wealthy that doesn't matter. I mean, you're not going to be able to be on the road 24 seven. I promise you. So in your downtime, what would you like to do? Cause man, I love seeing successful people. I love more than anything, seeing people accomplish what they set out to do. I'm not a hater. I'm not, I got, you know, my buddy, David Griffin, y'all y'all need to check this guy out. He's still a firefighter on the job. And David, David and I were on the job together. And David was, uh, was a first arriving engineer on scene at Superstore in 2007 that killed our nine guys. And David went on to get his doctorate. He's a doctor. Um, he's still on the job as a battalion chief. He does wonderful, wonderful courses for the um, emergency services personnel all around the country. David is a very sought after dude. And I hope to get him on here one day. But David went on to do all kinds of crazy shit, man. He went on to do professional bodybuilding. He wanted to become a professional MMA fighter. I can't tell his story. I'm going to, you know, just giving you kind of a little bit. And the dude is just successful at everything he does. He could have sat around and felt fucking sorry for himself, but he, he, but he didn't. Sure. Did he beat himself up? I'm sure he did. He had his moments just like we all do. What I'm getting at is I'm no hater. I love seeing that man do good. I love seeing people that I care about do good. I love seeing people that I don't even know do good. It's nice to see people do good shit. And this goes back to that toxicity thing a little bit. But there are people out there that want to see you fail. There are people that want to hold you back. There are people that want to cast doubt and say, oh, man, I don't know if you should do that. Well, that's why, Why, motherfucker, because you can't do it because you don't have the balls or the stones or the tenacity to actually go after something that you care about. Talk people up, don't talk them down. I got, I, (laughs) I try not to get too negative, man, but. There, there's people around here that I know. I, I hear things. Um, I see through actions, through people's behaviors towards me. And they don't like that I do things that, that I do. And they immediately go the hater route. And they immediately go the bashing route. Oh, this motherfucker does this because of this, 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 and that. Fuck them. You're, not, you're never going to stop that. You're never going to stop people hating you for being who you are. So don't waste any energy on them. You know, a lot of people say easier said than done. No, it's that fucking simple. It really is. Don't give them a second thought. Whatever you want to do, whatever interests you, go do it. Don't make excuses. Don't worry worry about other people, what they think. Think about how many people didn't pursue their dreams because of what someone else may have thought. I like it. There's a saying that I have that I don't know where I heard it, but I live by this shit. It's called who's going to know in a hundred years. Chances are nobody is going to be talking about you in a hundred years. So do whatever the fuck you want to do. Nobody's going to sit around and say, well, you know what? That motherfucker Travis house, you know what he did do or what he didn't do. Nobody. I'm going to be eight. I'm going to be far gone. So why not do the things you want to do? Go get them. I'm flipping back. I'm digging deep for content on this episode. And if it's not, if it's not engaging, guess what? I do not fucking apologize because this shit is hard, man. When you don't have a, have a goal to go after. So I got notes from other things. Um, one is about the stress and policing. You know, i got a lot of cops that listen. I can tell you right now, uh, I was just at the Waffle House the other night with my buddy Ben Jones after our show in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I'm watching this police officer outside. He's working off-duty security. And I'm watching him. His head's on a fucking swivel. This place was, was was pretty packed, man. And it was, uh, it was one in the morning. I, mean, I never stay out that late, but I was starving. So we went out. And it took me back to when I was a police officer. I'm watching this guy and he doesn't know I'm actually watching his back. I got my I got my Glock 40 in my cargo pocket and I'm watching everything he's doing and I'm watching people watch him because police right now fuck they're under a microscope. That's no secret. And I was watching everything that was going on with him, not even knowing, Hey, this guy in here, he's coming to help me if shit breaks bad. Now I am hoping it wouldn't break bad. Cause I don't want to be in that situation anymore. I'm not the police anymore. I'm just a dude trying to get some goddamn waffles and a fucking patty milk. That's my thing, baby. Chocolate chip waffles and patty milk. So after we were done, I walk outside and I start talking to him. And he had been on the job about five years and he was kind of sizing me up like who who the fuck is this guy, right? And I told him, I said, look, man, I'm I'm former law enforcement myself and, and you could tell he kinda of relaxed a little bit. And then his another guy pulls up while well, as we're as we're standing out there talking and he gets out of his car. So we start um what we call the Marine Corps smoking and joking, just talking shit, right? And he goes, uh, yeah, man, Chattanooga's actually pretty bad. We have a lot of shootings, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he goes, got to carry a gun on you everywhere around here. I said, I always got a gun on me, brother. And when I, when I said that, he, his eyes opened up like, oh shit. And I saw him do what we call in law enforcement, a target glance. And he knew exactly where my weapon was. He looked down and it was in my right cargo pocket at the time. And he looked down and he saw that and he just looked up at me and I nodded like, yeah. You found you found the groceries. It's, it was kind of cool, but I remember when I was a police officer. Um, without going into too gory gory detail, I used to work off duty at the Waffle House, and there's a story. There's a reason I'm telling this story. Police officers are so stressed out because of this. They have fucked up home lives. They work insane hours that the common people would not understand right? And I don't use common people as a bad term. I'm just saying normal people, right? Normal folks would not understand the hours that these motherfuckers put in and in doing so, guess what? They barely make any money, which is a, I, I'm, I'm a true believer in look, cops don't get in or the, in the firemen. We don't get into the professions for money. If you, if you did it, if you, if those professions had paid a lot of money, paid too much money, you'd have the wrong people in it for the wrong fucking reasons, right? You have people that go into these professions because they money's not their main objective in life Service is, And that's why they're paid, paid that way. You know, it, it it, hate to say it. It needs, needs to be like that. I'm not saying we need to under underpay them, but you got to make sure you don't tip the scale so much that you have all the wrong people coming into the job for the wrong reasons. Like, Oh, hey, I'm going to go into this job and make $200,000 a year. And I'm not going to get out a car when somebody is about to shoot somebody else because I could get killed and lose all the money that I stand to make um, throughout my life. These people don't think like that. These people don't put money first. They put service first. So anyway, what I'm getting at is to make ends meet. This guy wasn't on on his normal shift at the Waffle House. That's, that's not where he was assigned to. He wasn't assigned to go work at fucking Waffle House. That's what we call an off duty job in law enforcement. And a lot of people don't know that. Law enforcement, back when I was on the job, we made $25 an hour for just sitting somewhere. A business would hire you to come sit, especially businesses that would have trouble, like a Waffle House late at night. Um, I know our Waffle House was fucking crazy. Well, one of them was crazy back in the day on Thursday nights. One of the clubs got out down the road um, around 3 in the morning, and it was insane. So we had, I don't know, so two, three, four police officers up there at any time, and it was just as dangerous as working in the street. I mean, shit would break bad up there all the time. We were, we were working one night, and this is what I'm talking about as cops. They don't get to clock out and go home and enjoy a day off. They actually have to go work another job. And guess what that job is? It's fucking law enforcement. So they're seven days a week, eat, sleep, breathe this without getting a break from it. They get three days off a week. And yet they're putting that uniform on to go sit somewhere, hoping something doesn't break bad. And if it does, they got to deal with it. And then they got to worry about getting smoked while they're out there on their part-time job. Makes sense. So it's a stressful ass occupation that you can't get away from. You take that, you take the handholding that's going on in society. Now, everybody's got fucking butt hurt feelings over this and over that. Cops are hesitant to make decisions because they could get fired over it. Then they make the wrong decision or they hesitate too long. And guess what? They're fucking dead. So then they try to stay alive. They make a decision. Well, it turns out that was the wrong decision. And now they're in fucking jail um, or getting sued or whatever. Um, it's, it's a fucking hard job man it is a very hard job and it takes special very special people to do that I think what I just wanted to get <clears throat> wanted to get out of that is how stressful that job can be uh, I remember you think the Waffle House is all fun and games that cop told me he goes just two weeks ago or a couple weeks ago we had somebody get murdered right there at the front door and I looked at my buddy Ben Jones because Ben was standing there and I go shit's real in this world because Ben don't have a fucking clue Um, but I tell him that to his face anyway um, so I took him over to the van and I go, yeah, I got a fucking van. Fuck y'all. Um, so I walk over to my soccer van, my soccer dad van and I asked him, I was like, you guys like to read? And they said, yeah. So I grabbed two books, signed them up for them and handed them to them. So I don't know if they're going to read those books. Would they, are, they're not on Instagram. Good for them. Um, cause I promise you, if I didn't do what I do for a living, my ass wouldn't be on Instagram, but I gave them those books and wished them luck and wished them a safe career. And, and off we went into the night. I'll keep it brief. Cause I think I, I think I, I touched on this on another episode. I can't, I can't remember now we've that's, that's good that we got so many episodes. I can't really remember everything we talked about, but I remember when I was a police officer, I, I think I did talk about this. I was in Walmart and uh, I actually got behind a guy in line who who told me if he ever saw me outside, um, law enforcement, he was going to kill me. And I yep, I did talk about this. And I remember going out into the parking lot after that, after he walked out, he saw me, I saw him kind of thing. But when I walked in the parking lot, he was gone. So thank God that was an empty threat because that wouldn't have been pretty. Um, got a note that says tattoos. Uh, I love tattoos. Uh, I think they're really cool. I think they all tell stories, man. My tattoos, I uh, definitely tell a story. Um, I just talk about my right arm. So I got the, uh, second Marine division arrowhead tattoo on my rear on my tricep but then a lot of people don't that don't know the American flag on my right, uh, right arm with nine stars that represents, uh, my nine friends who were killed in the line of duty June 18th, 2007. And then I have a windmill on the inside of my arm. And that windmill is the symbol of Holland, uh, which is my daughter's name, my oldest. And then I have a bunch of poppy flowers around it at the bottom. And, uh, that's for my youngest daughter, Poppy. So that's my tattoo story. I do jokes on tattoos on stage, but I can't do them here because I can't give them away, man. You got to come see those jokes. I do this. Um, I do this joke on stage about getting bit in the ass by a canine police dog when I was when I was police officer, and um, <laughs> it's hard because it, comedy's like magic, right? Once we reveal the punchline, it's pretty much over. Like you guys, next time you go to see it, it'll be like, yeah, hey, I already know where he's going with this. So we got to be careful not to give it away. But I did this joke about the dog bite the ass and at the end of the show just just to be an asshole i looked i looked at the audience i goes anybody anybody got any questions because every once in a while i'll just do that because it's funny and this girl actually had a question and it never it never happens nobody really ever answers ask questions so earlier in the show i told a joke about um being injured on a football field when i was little and how my dad pretty much told me to suck up the injury through my ass. Long story short. I know that sounds weird, but you got to hear the whole joke. Um, so I look at a girl, sorry, right, what's your question? And she goes, why didn't you just do what you did with the dog with what your dad told you to do? And it was confusing. I, I, saw, I looked at her and I was like, you mean like, Suck out the dog's oxygen out of his mouth while he was eating my ass. Suck it out with my ass. I mean, it, it was weird. This, this was weird. I don't even understand where her head was. She said, yeah, suck the dog's oxygen out of his mouth with, with your ass. And, and, and I was just dumbfounded. So I looked at her. I already asked her age earlier in the show. So I knew she was 18. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tear this girl up. So she was sitting with her brand new boyfriend. We had already established that they had been, they were dating for like a week. I think it was, and she was there with her mom and her aunt. So I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, I don't know if you've ever had anything over a hundred pounds behind you eating your ass, but, and I couldn't even finish because the crowd was losing their mind. This shit was hilarious. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You had to be there. The girl turned red Her boyfriend was like turning red and shaking his head. No. And so I go, oh, you don't eat ass. (laughs) It's so fucked up. And I go, "This relationship ain't going to last. I mean, fuck it. The goddamn crowd just couldn't take it. It was hilarious. You'd have had to been there. I mean, it was a, it was probably one of my best Christian shows that I've ever done. Um, That was good church, church stuff. I don't. I don't like being nasty like that on stage too much. I like having fun on stage. That's my thing. I like getting up there, not worrying about being censored or filtered. And I, I you know, I'll throw a few goddamn motherfuckers and shit like that out there. But I don't. I try not to be dirty. Like I try not to do too much sexual content and all that because that's just cheap humor. But man, sometimes it writes itself, and that's exactly what happened. That girl, you couldn't, you couldn't have scripted it any better. And so sometimes you just got to go with it, baby. I think if y'all like, I'd, um, I might do an entire episode on comedy and just kind of the grind of it. And just, I mean, it is a brutal, brutal, brutal business. I can I have, man, I have stories like that for days, like funny ones, but I also have some shit stories of just clawing my way through this industry. And it's not because I had to do this. It's just something I wanted to do. And I just really enjoyed it. And I, I got really passionate about it. So maybe, let me think about that. Maybe next episode, since I want to talk about different things on here. Maybe next episode, I'll start talking about a little bit of, of comedy and and the life of that. I definitely write about it in my book, and I talk about, I talk about some moments where, um, I think I talk about the part where I had my balls out when I was backstage and another comic was on stage and he couldn't finish his show because he looked over and saw the chicken heart. Um, you know, good adult like mature fun like that. Um, you know, stuff mature men like to do is due to chicken heart. If you don't know about the chicken heart, you ain't living right. But I don't know. Let me, let me give it some thought because I do want to do another book sometime. I want to do an audio book and that will be more of a tell all like with stories and shit. So I don't want to, I don't want to step on my own toes with that. So anyway, I know you guys did not find this episode resourceful. Um, because I have no idea where I was going with it. I'm just happy. I was able to sit down, push record and, and flow with you guys for about 35 minutes or so. Um, I hope you keep tuning in after this episode. If you want to wash your hands of it, I fucking completely get it. (laughs) This was just fucking this is pointless. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to release this. I'll, I'll probably save it for a couple days and I may, I may rerecord, but if I don't rerecord and this is the episode you get, you know, it's because I couldn't come up with anything. I mean, not always going to be able to drum something up, but we'll try to make something from nothing. How's that sound? until next time man thank you guys so much for the support that that you've given me the continued support it's overwhelming i love I love each and every one of you thank y'all have a good one